How are we doing, Prairie Heights? I'm doing better than all of you, apparently. It's good to be with you today. Uh, I'm back a second week in a row, which I'm always amazed. Somebody has me come back two weeks in a row, so thank you. We are on a great series that I'm just fired up to be a part of with you. We're on a series called My Flippin' Families, and today we're specifically talking about marriage. And I think if you and I were honest, we'd all say that, you know, we got some issues in our marriage. Now, I know some of you, because I've had a lot of people come up to me the last couple weeks, and uh, they'd walk up to me and say, hey, uh, I heard you're talking about sex today. And I'm like, why would you say that? You know, that's really weird that you just come up to me. Well, apparently the teaching pastor here, Mike, got up in front of all of you and made the announcement that I'm speaking on sex. You can only believe about 20% of what that man says. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But we are in a series about marriage, and I get this, every, every family has issues. Uh, all of us have things in our lives that we're trying to figure out, family issues that we're trying to figure out, marriage issues that we're going to figure out. And what we've done in this series is we've taken our family and we've embraced it, but we've just decided we're going to allow God to speak to us and challenge us and to deal with our flipping families, and today specifically marriage. And so you need to know this right away. God is in the business of restoring your marriage to its original beauty. I believe that. Today's message is entitled Fixer Upper. Now, you've seen that show, haven't you? Where Chip and Joanna Gaines, they're down in Waco, Texas, and they they take these dilapidated houses that are falling apart and a, and a couple purchases it with the idea that they're going to restore it to all its grandeur and beauty. And, and so they, they, in this half-hour show, they, they do amazing work. They take this house that's just falling apart and they make it absolutely beautiful. And if you've seen the show, it's, it's the same thing over and over again, right? I mean, they come in and they they evaluate the house and they have that demolition day where Chip goes in and he just smashes everything up and pulls things down and clears out the kitchen, knocks down walls. And, and then they have that moment where they come in and they start putting it back together and fixing it. And, and on every episode, they always have the issue of going over budget, right? Every issue. And then they kind of like they nervously talk to each other about who's going to call the homeowners and tell them that they're over budget, and, and it always works out. And, and then Johanna comes in, and, and she decorates it, and the kids come in, and they have like this nice, warm, feely moment together. And they took this old house, and in 30 minutes, <laughs> made it like the most amazing, beautiful home. And they make it look easy, don't they? And let's be honest, when we watch that, we just think, oh, I can do that. That looks easy, but we know this. It's not that simple, right? Well, today we're going to talk about marriage, and that's the way I feel about marriage. So from the outside, it looks like it's simple, and, and from the outside, it's like, well, you just got to do step one, two, three, and everything's going to be okay, but we get this, like marriage is difficult. Now, I get this. I'm speaking to an audience, and, and we all come in from different life situations, and our families look a little bit different, and, and today we're talking about marriage, and I know some of you, like, you brought your friend with you, and you're like, oh, no, we're talking about marriage, you know, and, and so I just want to address this right away off the bat. I know we all come from, from different family settings right now, and our lives look different, and, and for example, like, some of you are young, and, and marriage isn't even on your radar. Like, you're not going to get married for a long, long 
long time. And that's okay, right? Some of you are like in college and, and you're starting to think about Mr. Wright and Miss, you know, Mrs. Wright and you're starting to, to go through that dating process maybe and you're, you know that's more than just simple dating. Like you're thinking like maybe this could be the one and, and you're at that stage. And, and if you're there, I just want to stress this to you. Like, like lean in today because what we're going to talk about is so important. And I think before you get into the marriage, this would be really good stuff for you to learn and consider when you're stepping into a marriage. And, and so I'd say if you're like young and dating or still working through that process, here's what I want you to do. Like I want you to set the bar really high. Set the bar really high. And even right now, just start praying for that person that God will, will start to shape and form that person that you're meant to spend the rest of your life with. I get this, and I don't want to make light of this today. Some of you have gone through a divorce, and it still hurts. Like even the thought of talking about marriage today is like ripping open an old wound, and, and the hurt is very real, and the struggle is real. And, and I don't want to make light of that or just kind of pass that over. I, I get that, that the, the wound is real. But I also want you to lean in. I want you to know this. Like around you, you've got a group of people that love you that care about you, that want to be a support to you. And, and I believe this, that, that although that marriage ended poorly or, or that marriage ended for whatever reason, this is what I love about God. Like God gives us second chances. God gives us third chances. And so lean in today. You know, you don't know what the future looks like. And I also get this, that, that some of you have lost a spouse uh, and the hurt is real. But even for you, I think if you leaned in today, you could learn something. And, and who knows what the future holds for you, even if it's just as simple as, as passing on some really good information and knowledge to your kids and grandkids. Because marriage is difficult. Marriage is a struggle. Today we're going to talk about it. And, and I need you to know this as we talk through this. I think if you've heard me speak before, I share a lot of stories, personal stories. And, and so today as we're talking about marriage, you just need to know up front, I'm going to tell a lot of stories about myself and my wife. Mostly my wife. Because I can. <laughs> you need to know this about my wife. Um, my wife has an addiction that's real. It's an addiction that springs up every once in a while and has such a huge impact on our relationship. It's a huge impact on, on our marriage and it's an addiction that she's passed on to my daughter. And my daughter wrestles with this addiction as well. And there's going to be a day where I'm going to have to sit down next to a, a young man and I'm going to have to put my arm around him. And after I threaten his life, I'm going to have to talk to him about this addiction that my daughter also has that was passed on from my wife. I'm going to have to explain to him that, listen, this is going to impact your relationship. You need to learn now how to handle this and brace yourself for this because, because every year I have to brace myself for it because it comes around every year and this addiction just flares up and it just consumes our home and it impacts my whole household. Her addiction is the Hallmark Channel. You get it, don't you? I mean, it's real. Every year, you know, when the... Hallmark Christmas movies come out, I have to brace myself. And I think, oh no, here we go again. <laughs> because you understand this, right? They're all the same. They're all the same. And, 
And I have to brace myself and prepare myself for it because you know how those Hallmark movies go. They like have this bickering and this kind of like weird relationship going on for a while. But, but at the very end, they always end the same, you know, like this young couple, this young man, this young woman, they, they embrace each other and they kiss. And, and as they kiss, it's amazing how it works out. It just immediately begins to snow. Like, like these perfect snowflakes just come down as they're embracing and kiss. And, and they begin to look around as if they've never seen snow before, you know. And they look around and they smile and they laugh and they look each other in their eyes and then they embrace each other again and kiss as the snow continues to fall. And then amazing thing is, is a dog comes running into the scene, you know. And, and around the dog's collar is a ring, you know. Like how'd that get there, you know. And in the background, there's a man with a white beard, and he kind of winks, you know. <laughs> and the dog comes running in with the ring, and we don't know how it works, but all of a sudden, the whole community comes out, and, <laughs> and they surround that young couple who are embraced at that moment as the snow is coming down, and the dog's sitting down at this ring, and they all begin right at the right moment to sing a Christmas carol all together, and they're all on key. And I think, oh no, it's coming. <laughs> and sure enough, right at that moment, my wife sighs. Oh. And she looks at me. <laughs> says, I wish you were that romantic. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, listen, babe. It's snowing outside right now, you know. Like, let's go outside. We can do this. You know, I'll make out with you or something outside. You know, we'll do this, you know. We'll call the dog and, you know. But it's the Hallmark Channel, right? It's the Hallmark Channel. I always think, why don't they follow this couple like 10 years down the road? And this guy's put a little bit of weight on, you know. They're in debt, and they're running all over town chasing their kids. <laughs> it's a Hallmark Channel. And that's not real life. But in our relationships, I think if we were honest today, you look at your relationship today and you think, it used to be romantic. We used to have so much fun together. We used to laugh together. We used to go on long walks together. It just seemed like there's a little bit of a fire in our marriage. But today, we feel tired. Today, it seems like there's just a lot of stress on our marriage. And we look around at other relationships, and, and sometimes we think, I want what they want. And so, in the back of our mind, we have this thought, well, maybe I'll just flip my marriage and go after something different. You feel like you married the wrong person. And your marriage today is crumbling. But I'm telling you, God has the ability to fix and restore your marriage. I'm convinced of that. Some of you right now feel the weight of like, have I made the wrong decision? Am I in the wrong situation? Some of you feel like you've built up these walls between you and your spouse. And that separation is just real. You feel it. But I believe God can come in and like knock down those walls and just make that love for each other just wide open. For some of you, if you're honest, you 
had some nicks and scratches and some things that have taken place in your past with your marriage. It's just been tough to forget. The hurt is real. The unforgiveness that you hold on to is real. But I believe this, that God has the ability to come in and and sand some of those nicks and scratches and refinish it and restore your marriage back to its original beauty. You see, I think if we were honest today, some of you would say, you know what, my marriage is a disaster. I remember what it once was, but, but today I just need like a whole demolition, a whole remodel job, a whole restoration. We need to like clean everything out and start all over. Some of you feel like, you know what, my marriage is all right, but it just seems like it's gotten a little bit stale. Like I could just use a new paint job, freshen up the room a little bit. And so today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our marriages. We're going to be honest about our marriages. And I believe that God has something special for all of us when it comes to this very significant topic on marriage. There's a man by the name of Solomon who uh, wrote part of our Old Testament. And, and when he was writing to one of his sons, uh, he said this. He said, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now, he's speaking to his son here, but if he's writing to his daughter, he could have flipped it and said, hey, listen, rejoice in the husband of your youth. And I find it so interesting that Solomon, who is considered to be one of the wisest people in history, that he uses the word rejoice. When you think about your wife, when you think about your husband, he uses the word rejoice. He doesn't say this, hey, listen, son, I got to write you this letter, man. You just got to soak this in. Tolerate your wife. Okay? There's going to be some days where you're just going to have to put up with your wife. Just buckle down and do it. He doesn't say that. I find it so interesting that he uses the word rejoice. In other words, find joy in your spouse. Find the joy that brought you together. Find the joy in that person that you once were madly in love with. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And then he goes on to say to his son, may you always be captivated by her love. May you always be captivated by her love. Before we dive into this message, that's my prayer for you today. Is that regardless of where your marriage is at right now, my hope is that you can be captivated by her love again. That you can be captivated by his love. And so what do we do? What do we do if our marriage is crumbling and we need a demolition day? What do we do if we need a total remodel? Or again, maybe if your marriage is just stale and you could use it freshen up a bit. What do we do? Well, I want to talk to you today about three practical steps that you and I could put into place right now that could have an immediate impact and help fix our marriage. And I want you to know this. I think sometimes it's just assumed. I need you to know this. This is going to be hard for some of you to believe. I am not a perfect husband. I know you're in shock, but I'm not. And I want you to know, like, sometimes I, I think you, you just expect, like, I'm saying stuff that I want you to do. I want you to know these are three steps that I want to put into practice in my life. And even as I was working on some of this, I was so convicted 
because I want my marriage not just to not just to get by, but to thrive. And so here's three steps that you can do to fix your marriage. The first is this. Think about your selfie less and your spousey more. That's brilliant, isn't it? Think about your selfie less and your spousey more. Now, you know this. We live in a selfie world, don't we? Like we are consumed with selfie. And I've always wanted to do this. So bear with me. Let's take a selfie together, all right? All right, I want everybody to gather in and smile. On the count of three, we're going to say cheese, all right? One, two, three. Cheese. Wasn't that awesome? Thanks. Now, that wasn't weird, was it? Because we live in this selfie-centered world. In fact, I read that in 2015... More people died while taking a selfie than shark attacks. That might mean we have a selfie issue, right? I mean, we have selfie sticks. But I think you'd be honest with me. You'd agree with me that we're consumed with self today. There's a man by the name of Paul who wrote much of our New Testament. Uh, Paul, a couple thousand years ago, was a man that that went around and he tried to like snuff out followers of Christ. His whole goal was to kill them off and, and uh, get rid of them. And so he went around and he, he persecuted followers of Christ, people who were starting churches up. And, and then one day he had this real deal encounter with Jesus and it changed everything. And instead of like snuffing out followers of Christ, he became a follower of Christ and started planting churches, starting churches up. And Paul started all these churches along the Mediterranean, and what he'd do is he'd go start it up, be with them for a couple years, and then he would leave them and go start another church somewhere else. And after he left, he would keep in correspondence with them through writing, and he would write them letters. And he would send these churches these letters, and they would hold on to them, and they would copy them, and they would send them out to other churches, and they became these sacred writings. And we still have them today, and they're in our Bible. And I'm going to refer to Paul a lot today because Paul has a ton to say about relationships, specifically marriage. And so when I say things like, hey, Paul said, I'm not talking about somebody that I go to Buffalo Wild Wings with that's got a lot of good wisdom, you know. I'm talking about Paul who wrote a good chunk of the Bible. Listen to what Paul says when it comes to this selfie generation of ours. He said, don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too. And in what they are doing. You see, most of us wake up in the morning and we think about our work. We think about our schedule. We think about our stuff. We think about the things that we have to do. And many times we forget about our spouse. We become consumed with self. So let me ask you, how interested are you in what your spouse does day to day? You see, I think one of the most dangerous places that couples can get in their lives, and it's easy for us to get into this, is when we are living two totally separate lives. I go hang out with my fishing buddies. She goes hangs out with her friends. She goes on vacations every year, and I stay at home. I go to work. She goes to work. And we get to this place in our lives where we just, like, pass each other by. And we're just trying our best to manage our family while we live two separate, complete lives. And then Paul goes on to say this. 
And he says it's specific to men. So brace yourselves, men. He says, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. What Paul is saying is so profound. What Paul is saying is saying, listen, guys, husbands, you need to love your wives as much as you love yourselves. Now, guys, I think we struggle with that. Because I think if we were really honest, guys, we love ourselves, don't we? I mean, be honest. You stand in front of the mirror at times, and you stare at yourself, and you think, wow, I am one stunning individual. <laughs> and if you look long enough, you can find that old muscle that you forgot you had, you know, and, and you start to flex. And you love yourself. And you suck it all in and you puff it all out and you look good. You love yourself. You love your hobbies. You love your activities. Guys, you are into you. And I'll challenge you with this. Paul says, as much as you love you, you need to love your wife. So guys, what if I went to your wife, and I won't, (laughs) and I asked her, what's one thing you would love for your husband to start doing for you? What would she say? Some of you don't know. If you would ask your wife, say, hey, listen, what's one thing you want me to start doing for you? What would she say? Or what's one thing you want me to stop doing? What would she say? I'm convinced most of us don't know the answer to that. You know why? Because we're consumed with selfie, not spousey. See, guys, I believe this. If you went to your wife and you said, hey, what's one thing you'd want me to do? She might say something like this. Hey, you know, I've been talking about counseling for years. And I know it scares the daylights out of you, but it would mean the world to me if you would just sit down with a counselor and myself and we work some of this stuff out. Guys, I get it. That scares me to death. For some of you, if you ask your wife that, she'd say, you know what? When you drink, you become a different person. You say things that aren't you and you act like you're not. You just become a different person. And if there's one thing I'd love for you to stop doing to be drinking. For some of you, your wife would say, you know what? You're fine when you're out in public, but when you're all by yourself with just us, you just have this anger issue, and I would love for you to get a handle on that anger. It would do so much for our marriage if you just got a handle on that anger. And guys, I'm convinced that so often we miss it because we never ask, because we're so consumed with self. And ladies, I would ask you the same thing. Ask your guys, what's the one thing they want? I know what you think they'll say. (laughs) Oh, you know what I want. But I bet you'd be surprised. I bet you'd be surprised. We're so consumed with self. 
You see, for much of our marriages, we're fighting to get in the front of the line about my priorities, about my wants, about my needs, about the things I want to do, on how I think the family should look, on how I think our lives should look. And we're so consumed with selfie, and we don't consider spousey. What would your family look like if you were both fighting to get to the back of the line? Where you were both consumed with, listen, I, I want what you want. I want to serve you. I want you to enjoy life. And I want to be not about all of my schedule, but I want to be about your schedule and the things you love. What if we were all racing to the back of the line where we just said, I want your needs to be met and I'll serve you. I told you I'm going to talk about my wife, and I am. I want you to know that my wife is really good at this. I'm not. My wife, from the time we started dating, just showed me that that it wasn't about her. It was about me, and it was about other people. And and she expressed that from from very early on. And, And I have so many stories to describe how my wife has put me first and thought of me first. And I go back to the beginning when we were dating, and and I was, you know, this knucklehead fisherman that just wanted to go out and howl at the moon and go ice fishing. And, and I remember dating her, and just things began to change. And, man, I love this girl. And, and, and I asked her to go ice fishing with me one day. Now, you need to know this about my now wife. Two things. She doesn't like cold, and she doesn't like sitting around. But I asked her on a day that was about 20 below to go out ice fishing with me. And she was in college at the time, and she had a lot of homework to do, and, and she took her studies very serious. And, and I said, hey, listen, it's, it's going to be warm. I got a propane heater. You're going to be fine. It's going to be nice and toasty. I'll be able to fish. You'll be able to do your homework. And she's like, okay, I'll go with you. Because you know? she knew I enjoyed to do it, and she wanted to be with me, believe it or not. <laughs> so on this day, 20 below, we go out, and, and I get the ice house all set up, and get the holes drilled, and I get the propane heater all set up, and I try to start it. Yeah. Well, crazy thing is on those heaters is they won't turn on if there's no propane in the tank. (laughs) Right? So there's no propane. And I thought, oh, no, what are we going to do? You know, I don't want to go home. It's going to be a great fishing day. So I still got this picture in my mind, and it's forever ingrained in my mind of my soon-to-be wife out there in Carhartt, bib overalls and a Carhartt jacket and stocking cap and big old mittens and, and sitting on a bucket reading a book so that I could ice fish. From very early on, I knew this about my future wife. She loved me. She loved me. Because of that, I was crazy about her that it wasn't about her. It was about me and putting me first. Paul says it like this. He says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they are doing. I'm telling you guys, it would do wonders for your marriage, wouldn't it? If you put this one into practice. Think about what your marriage would look like if you thought about your selfie less and your spousey more. If you could do this, you could transform 
your marriage. Let's go do it this week. Leads us to the second thing that you can do. Appreciate the positives and be willing to overlook some negatives. Appreciate the positives and be willing to overlook some negatives. Remember when you first started to fall in love and you discovered how cluttery he was? It was cute, wasn't it? Or you remember when you were getting ready for something and you, you went to pick her up and, and she said, hey, I'll just be five minutes. I got to get ready. And you're in the car for about an hour and a half. And you remember how cute it was. And then you got married, right? And all of a sudden it wasn't as cute. And all of a sudden you start to have this whole list of things that disappoint you. You see, you can always find things that disappoint you about your spouse. In fact, if I asked you today to list off five things that disappoint you about your spouse, you would be able to rattle off five immediately, wouldn't you? Some of you are thinking right now, like, that's it? Five? I got a whole list of them. I don't like the way he eats. I don't like the way he talks to our kids. I don't like the way she handles money. I don't like, we have a whole list of things that disappoint us. And what I find so interesting about those, those things, this list of things that disappoint us, if we hold on to them too long, they turn from disappointment to frustration. Where it's not just disappointing, it's something that festers inside of you that really starts to anger you and frustrates you and unsettles you. And if you don't deal with it, if you dwell on that, that goes from frustration to contempt where you just don't like him anymore. You just don't like her anymore and you can't look at each other without just having anger in your eyes. We can always find things about each other that disappoint us. But what if I asked you, what do you love about your spouse? It might take you a little bit longer to think about those things, wouldn't it? You may not have that list immediately on the tip of your tongue because you don't think about it too often. You'd have to pause and take some time on that one. You can always find something about your spouse that will disappoint you. Always find a blemish. Always find a fault. What if we flip that and just decided that we're going to start focusing on those things that we absolutely love about each other? Paul says this. He says, be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. Because of your love. You need to be patient with each other. Put up with each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. I want to challenge you to this. This week, begin to put that into practice. Don't be so consumed with the negatives, but start being consumed with why you fell in love in the first place. What is it about him or her that you absolutely love, which leads us to the third step that can fix your marriage. If you want what you once had, do what you once did. If you want what you once had, do what you once did. Remember the crazy things you did when you were dating I remember the the long walks that we used to go on and we would just talk and talk and talk. 
I remember the drives that we would just go on, and we both loved North Dakota, and we would just go drive, and we would just talk. My wife's from Gackle, North Dakota, and I was living in Jamestown at the time when we first started dating, and, and there was a Perkins there, and I remember going to Perkins, and, and we would sit in the booth together, and we would just stare each other in the eyes, and we would talk and talk and talk and talk. And I remember looking around at, at some of the older couples that were just sitting there, and they were just staring at each other. And I can remember thinking, like, we're not going to do that. In fact, we would talk about, listen, when we get older, we're not going to be like those couples. And we would continue to talk and talk. And I find it so interesting that, that now after many years of marriage and kids and stress and all sorts of issues, when we go out to eat and there's no kids with us, we just kind of like drool and stare at each other. <laughs> and I always think that there's some young couple like sitting a couple booths down and saying, look at those two old suckers, you know. We're never going to be like that. Think about those things that you used to do. One of the things that my wife did for me when, when we were newly married, it's going to date me a little bit, but, but my wife took some of my favorite songs and she recorded them on a tape. And some of you young people, if you don't know what a tape is, just Google it. They'll walk you through it, show pictures and all that. But she recorded me a tape of my favorite songs and she recorded her singing to some of my favorite songs. And I'll never forget, she mailed it to me, and I opened it up, and it was a tape of Mike's favorite songs, and I still have that tape cassette. And I can remember when I was young, I would, I would pop that into my old pickup truck as I would be out in the country driving around. I'd pop it in my old pickup truck, and, and my favorite songs would come on, and, and my wife would be singing. And I look back at that, and there's, there's two things that I realized from that. One is my wife's not a very good singer. <laughs> but two is she loves me. Like she loves me. I knew that without a shadow of a doubt that my wife loved me. And I look back at some of the things that we did, some of the fun that we had. Back in your Bible, there's a book called the Book of Revelation, and there's a section in there where, where Jesus is speaking to some specific churches and and he says to one of the churches, he says, hey, listen, you guys have forgotten your first love. You've forgotten it. There's one time where you like fell in love, but you have forgotten it. And, and Jesus was speaking to the church there, but, but I think we can apply it to our marriages. Like I think for many of us, we've forgotten our first love. We've forgotten it. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, think about those times of your first love and turn back to me. And work as you did before. Do what you used to do. Work hard at getting her attention like you used to do. Work hard at capturing his heart like you used to do. If you want what you once had, do what you once did. When's the last time just the two of you went on a real deal date. For some of you, it's been a while. Go do it. When's the last time you just went out for a drive to talk with each other? When's the last vacation that you planned? Just the two of you, no kids. Go do it. If you want what you once had, 
do what you once did. Three practical steps that you and I can put into place today that I'm convinced can help restore your marriage. I want to give you one really good practical thing that Prairie Heights is offering all of us when it comes to helping our marriages out. Something that's really practical that you can do with your spouse. And I believe this, that when you were first together and newly in love, you would have jumped on this in a heartbeat. March 6th, right here at Prairie Heights, the REST Initiative is hosting Game Night 2020 right here at Prairie Heights. It's going to be fun. There's going to be games. But at the same time, they're going to give you like practical tools to help you win at your marriage. Now, I believe this, that when you were young and manly love, you saw something like that, you would have jumped at it. But for whatever reason, the older we get, the more we've been with this person, we just think, well, we don't need that. But the reality is, is you need it more than ever. So my challenge for you is sign up with that. Sign up for that. You can sign up for it at the next steps. You can go online and sign up for the rest initiative, game night 2020. So here's my prayer for you. For those of you that feel like your marriage is on the brink of disaster, you feel like it's over, I pray that today sparked something in you that will bring about change, lasting change in your marriage. For some of you that need to have a total demolition day, I pray that today you will start taking those three steps seriously and start to put them in play in your life. It's a fixer-upper. We all need to do it. That you would no longer settle for just growing old together and just tolerating each other, but you would ask God to help rekindle that love that you had at one time for each other and start putting these practices into action. Your marriage is too valuable for you not to put the time and investment into it. It's a fixer-upper. Can I pray for you? But by their heads, close their eyes. Father, thank you for this challenge on us today. Thank you that, that you have so many good practical things in your word to speak to us on this issue of marriage and relationships. God, I believe this, that many have come into this place today and it, and it just seems like even a heavy topic because they know that they're just wrestling with some difficult issues in their marriage. But I believe this, you brought them together for a reason, that you can take what they once had and you can restore it to all its full beauty. So God, I, I thank you for these three steps that you've given us, these practical things that we can put into play. I, I pray that this week we'll go out and put them into our lives and into our marriages. And that we would look at our marriages not as a, a, just passing it off, but we will look at our marriages as these are worth salvaging and fixing up. And thank you that you haven't left us to our own devices on this. But you have given us so many practical things that we can do. We love you, Jesus. I pray for our marriages in this place. Pray this in your name. Amen.